here. Let's see. It's Monday. Um, just I can't even get the levels right on the microphone. That's where I'm at. You know, I'm just having I'm having a tough time here, folks. Like, you know, it's funny because if we look at people's Instagrams and then really talk to them, it's not always the same thing. You know, like everything's great. I'm not going to like spend an hour complaining here to you because that's the last thing you need because I'm sure most people would agree a lot of life is very difficult. But, uh, you know, it's been a wild month. You know, the PGA show, Waste Management, my birthday in New York, Minnesota, filming the first episode of Adventures in Golf, and then get back to L.A. And last week we spent every day living another dream, filming uh, a series of commercials that I've written and directed for Vice, Vice Golf, obviously a sponsor in this podcast, which is very corporate and exciting because we're allowed to bring you the podcast and not go into debt. Um, but you know, the interesting thing that I thought that it would be valuable to talk about is how, um, you know, in spite of all of that amazing, amazing stuff, like I just kind of like, I, I don't know, like I'm not like bouncing off the walls with happiness, you know? Well, are these the things that you really want to do? Yeah, they are. I mean, that's Jeff, by the way, if you haven't, if you haven't met Jeff, it's G E O F F. If you can't see his lower third, that's because it's a podcast. Um, and Jeff is a producer. Um, to be totally honest with everybody, Jeff, you and I have been trying to make a podcast for like a fucking year. Didn't we meet like a year ago? We've been trying to, we had like, we met in uh, June of last year. Yeah. That was the first we've been, time we met. We've been trying to put together a podcast unsuccessfully for just ever, forever. We had one with my old assistant from Nigeria. That was funny, but then I fired him. <laughs> And then, and then we had one that was, what did we have? We had another one that was like, we were going to talk about relationships. Yeah. I think that was the first one. Yeah. uh, And then, you know, we, and then finally it was like, I can't remember. I think I was at the PGA show and someone was like, you should do a golf podcast. And I was like, oh, it was like the clouds opened up and I was like, yeah, we'll do a golf podcast. That's just really just more about my life. Anyway, that's a little bit behind the scenes of Jeff and I, and we have a sip of my coffee. Man, how good is coffee in the morning? Oh, I love it. You drink, uh, you drink Starbucks though. You'll be totally honest about it. <laughs> I do. I drink a uh, a venti iced non-fat vanilla latte. I drink the same thing every morning, every day, every day. It's my routine and a bagel. Uh, and it's a not bagel. the healthiest way no. to start your day, but you know, hopped up on sugar and yeah. By no, two but that's o'clock, good. I need more sugar. At least it's not like a cake pop. <laughs> you know, at least you don't go down that road. But but to get back to what I was saying. All this amazing stuff is happening and and I'm kind of finding myself at moments walking through life like, you know, in between shoots and in between all this business and amazing fun stuff, like a little bit sad. And I was kind of like, get a grip, Eric. What the hell is wrong with you? Everything is going great. And, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I've heard other people talk about sort of, you know, fear of getting what you want. And and to be totally honest, it's Monday. I feel pretty good. Monday's my favorite day of the week. I feel pretty good today. Um, but, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, last week, I was like, uh, it was also just coming off my birthday, just coming off Valentine's Day, and just coming off an incredible several weeks of like, um, you know, I don't do drugs. Everybody knows that, right? Or I don't know if you know that, but now you do. I, I haven't done, I haven't drank alcohol or done any drugs since February 28th. Uh, 2001. So 
in Jesus Christ. In nine days, I'll have se- seven, 17 years of no ingesting of uh, drugs other than coffee. And I'll be honest, I've smoked a few cigarettes, but I'm not smoking now. That's my voice. I don't know what's happening with my voice, but, you know, so I don't do any drugs, but in some sense, work is my drug, you know? Work is so exciting and fulfilling and, you know, being on set and watching something happen or, or, or going to another country and having jet lag and, you know, um, losing a drone and getting a leech very close to your balls. All of these things are very exciting for me, you know? And it's like um, I had a shrink who used to say that it was, um, you know, I just liked experience, um, you know? And so once that experience kind of comes to an end and we land back in Los Angeles and, you know, the smog starts to hit your lungs and, you know, you, you sort of return to the fear of fires and earthquakes and, you know, traffic, then I sort of, I sort of settle into that kind of melancholy normal, you know? And so in a real way, when you watch the show that I've made sort of uh, really to some extent as a diary, Adventures in Golf, you know, there's a reason why it's so energetic. It's it's literally just I'm going out there and like getting high on life, you know? Do you see that, Jeff? You yeah. see that? No, you always have a great energy in everything you do. Uh, I noticed it quite a bit in the documentary. I mean, you were really, I mean, you're the center of the movie. Un, so. I didn't want to be, <laughs> unwittingly. But, but to get, you know, like, Jeff, you're just such a good hype man. I'm going to get you a fucking gold necklace that says hype man. <laughs> Guys, everything Jeff says, just remember, he's getting paid. So, you know. Well, like, eventually you'll learn how to, you know, talk about yourself in the same way. <laughs> I don't know. Then I'm a salesman. I got this great Let's car. I got this great is. car. You just got to take a look at it. I will. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do to get the payment down. But my boss, you know, he's a stickler. So anyway, I mean, I'm just sort of coming back, you know, getting into the groove of my hometown. You know, and, um, you know, I I talked about it, you know, but traveling and and having all these experiences at the waste management, you know, 16th hole, looking forward to going to the Masters, you know, you kind of come home and, and, and it's like you've been panning for gold, you know, and you're out there and you're like up early before the sunrise and you're with all your mates and it's, it's 1849, you're part of the gold rush, you know? You're out there and you're killing coyotes and cooking them over the fire. No such thing as vegans. There's no sweet green. No one's having lunch at sweet green. You're just out there and you're the first one. You know what I mean? Like, like it's your Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. And it's just, it's just balls to the wall experience. And it's cold and you don't have enough clothes and it's snowing and you're, and you're Clint Eastwood. You're Warren Beatty. You're in your adventure as you want it to be. And everything's amazing because there's no plans and nothing can go wrong. And even the things that do go wrong, those sort of make up the best stories, you know, when you sleep in and then you're running and you're late and you feel like an idiot, but you still did it, you know, whatever it is. So all of that's over now. And I'm just back at home wearing like uh, a robe, you know, and like my skin is sort of dry, (laughs) you know? So you've never been one to really have a, uh, a desire to have an office job, a nine to five. You don't seem like that type of person. No, I don't think I could. Like, I literally don't think I could. I think I would go. I thought about it recently because I've become 
you know, friends with some people who have real jobs. And, um, yeah, they, they go to work every day. And I'm just like, I, I don't, like, like, I think one of the most interesting things about, you know, the creative arts is this idea that you literally have no guarantees of, of financial certainty, right? Like, and so in a sense, you're kind of wired to always be thinking like all you there's an anxiety there that's like the hungry teenager you know or the hungry like post-grad and you're just like what the fuck am I gonna do I am freaked out and I'm 37 and I'm still freaked out you know what I mean like you know um it's one of those things where like this time last year I had more money than I ever had and then I didn't work for like seven months you know adventures in golf you know you get paid I get paid like um, like four big checks, you know what I mean? And so by the time the fourth check rolls around, like I'm at Nobu, I'm on, I'm fucking first class. Look, oh, random trip to Spyglass, sure, you know, thousands of dollars. And then all of a sudden, like the, the five months go by, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, because you know me, like I am not a planner. I don't, I don't plan ahead, quote financially. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's why Jeff was like, can you pay me now? <laughs> send that next invoice out pretty quickly. Yeah, send it out. Get, get it paid, man. No net 30. None of that bullshit. I need it paid like net 20 minutes. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so that feeling of like never, never knowing where the money's going to come from, in a sense, I think fuels this like sense of dread, you know, but, but that births something valuable, something really good. Um, but you've always had that. You never, uh, from the beginning, you know, you loved sort of living out of the edge in terms of work in a way. Yeah. The last real job I had was I was David LaChapelle's assistant. Uh, and I was, I had just gotten sober. So I was 21. Um, and yeah, I got fired from that, but I worked for him for a year and a half or maybe a little closer to two years. Came to LA my first time with him. I mean, that's a whole other story. We'll tell that story another time, but. But to get back to it, basically, I'm depressed and I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. You know, to be totally honest and take, I'll take some credit. I'll take some blame. I haven't been to the gym in two weeks. I got to go today. I have to go to the gym today because I'll, I am an outspoken follower of The Rock. Are, do you follow The Rock? Uh, on Instagram? Yeah. No. Can you pull your phone out right now and do yourself a favor and press follow? Just do it. Come on, Jeff. Where's your phone? It's on airplane mode. It's on airplane mode. (laughs) Why is it on airplane mode, Jeff? Are you? Is it interference? Yeah, I I want to make sure you know everything runs smoothly. My phone's meanwhile like click, 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 click. Getting. I got an email here. You want to read my email? Let's see. Uh, no, it's not for me. I check my assistant's emails because I don't trust them. My assistant got an email uh, about getting paid. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Uh, when can Eric pay me? Here's my Venmo. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so, you know, aside from being depressed, everything's fine. You know, I mean, even in those depressing moments, I think it's very important to just remember that the hard stuff, I really do believe this, the hard stuff, the really hard stuff, you know, the stuff that sucks. Hang on, I'm going to pull up a quote. All right, so here, here's, the, po- here's the, um, the quote. So this... I feel like I'm going to cry just looking at it. So January 14th, 2017, 
I'm three weeks into getting a divorce and I'm eight days off of my best friend's wedding and I'm floating around somewhere on Tasmania having the time of my life, but also getting fucking texted by randos. Are you around this week? Would like to meet up and get a coffee if you can. Number not stored in my phone. Don't know who this is. I'm just right. Yes. <laughs> That's how I roll. That's how I roll. Just say yes, guys. One big adventure. Yeah. Who knows who it could be? <laughs> I'll go meet them. Girl, guy, who cares? Dog? No, it's a dog texting me. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm floating around Tasmania and I'm just in between feeling elated, you know, like Elon Musk on the tip of a rocket, just floating through space. Like, it's amazing. And on the other hand, I'm like, Literally a subject of one of Shakespeare's tragedies, like standing on the top of the Empire State Building with a knife to my neck, just like, you know, not actually suicidal. I don't mean to make light of that, but but definitely contemplating what my existence is for and why I'm here and whether or not I should even be here. Um, And then so my friend, my best friend Stu's wife texts me this. Ready? It's a quote that I can't attribute. It's comes seems to be just to initial. I don't know who said this. Maybe I can Google it. Anyway, for a star to be born, there is one thing that must happen. A gaseous nebula must collapse. So collapse, crumble. This is not your destruction. This is your birth. How fucking good is that? If I was a little bit more lame, I would get that tattooed on my back. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a good one, huh? So I read that. For a star to be born, there is one thing that must happen. A gaseous nebula must collapse. I mean, I think this is true, scientifically. Yeah. So collapse, crumble. This is not your destruction. This is your birth. And right after that, I started following the rock. Here's another good quote. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, and discover. That's H. Jackson Brown Jr. Not the Jackson Brown that we all know, but a different Jackson Brown. Anyway, so, you know, having a hard time this week, hey, it's all good, you know? It's going to make way for some other thing. I don't know. I mean, I also think, too, on some level, like, the the artists, the creatives, the people without jobs, per se, that's part of the cross that they bear. They get depressed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like because they know that like life is just fucked is it the root of it just the unexpected you know you're maybe worried about what comes next or the uncertainty of I, maybe I, I think it's just that they know that life is finite and that and in a way being happy is in itself sad because you know it's going to be over soon it's kind of like this ice cream is so great oh shit it's almost over you know what I mean it's like if a kid was like so enjoying sugar and then remembered that they only get so much it's like that Woody Allen quote. It's the opposite. You know, the, the Annie Hall quote? Two old ladies are in a nursing home and they're in line to get food and one says to the other, oh my God, the food here is so awful. And the other says, I know. And the portions are so small. <laughs> you know? You never heard that quote? No, I have. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. That's one of my favorite quotes. You just got to be careful with Woody Allen stuff now because of uh, yeah. everything. He's a, he's a fucking jerk. <laughs> Everybody's a jerk. I'm waiting to see a movie that comes out that says, hey, This movie is made by no one who fucked anyone over. You know what I mean? Sexually, financially. We're running out of people. 
<laughs> Jeez, we are. Not to get too cynical, but yeah, yeah. I was like, I watched The Greatest Showman the other day, and it ends with a quote that says, "The best." What's the quote that it ends with? God, I'm just a quote machine today. You could tell I'm depressed because I'm just I'm burning candles and I'm just reading quotes. You know, and you get like that. I, see, the, if this is me depressed, I'm okay with it. I'm not. I don't even seem that depressed, do I? No, I, I mean, I didn't. I mean, you were so enthusiastic when I saw you cleaning up before with the Swiffer. So. Oh, that means I'm depressed, though. <laughs> if you catch me Swiffing, if you catch me Swiffing, it means like I'm, I'm like literally like on my last page. Do you guys Swiffer? Anyone at home get the Swiffer going on? Um, here's the thing about the Swiffer, and this is not an ad, which is sad because we should be getting paid for this. The quote at the end of The Greatest Showman is, oh, it's going to take me forever. And this is the movie about the creation of uh, of Barnum and Bailey. Circus, yeah. Right. Yeah. The noblest of the noblest art is that of making others happy. P.T. Barnum said that. The guy's a legend. Check that movie out. It's really good. By the way, Hugh Jackman. That guy's like bigger than life. He must be eight feet tall. He is just like his smile. Literally, it's like the world gets like one degree warmer when he smiles. Yeah. He's a huge, Jeff's not feeling it. Jeff does He's not. He's a Tony identify. award-winning uh, is musical he? theater. You actor. want a Tony? Yeah, yeah multiple Tonys. I'm going to dig into his work. I'm into it. What was the movie? The uh, play he did, The Boy from Oz, which is about the uh, creator of Wizard of Oz. I never saw that it. That was his sort of signature play. I think. Really? Yeah. It's never too late. It I can't either, see but, it. Uh, either the cast recording you probably find somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So where are we? We were. Um, we were talking about um, the quotes. Yeah, depressed and quotes. Oh, I know. So through all, the, oh, here's the funny thing. Actually, things being finite. That's right. Funny, but, Artists yeah. are depressed because they because they know it's going to be over soon. So is this podcast. I mean, we're at Jesus. We're at 19 minutes, and we've talked about nothing. Here's an interesting thing, actually. Um, so we shoot. We shot the Vice commercials this week. That's what we did. Um, you know. So whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm 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 not feeling amazing, but I'm just still so grateful to have work and to be working and to have people that I love to work with and just to be able to go and do something. You know what I mean? Um, part of that though is like my life's feel like it's spinning out of control because I'm just really busy, which is not, that's not a, that's not a thing to complain about. That's just sort of like a fact. Like it's almost like I haven't mowed the lawn. So my lawn looks like an idiot lives here, you know? So it's nice. I Swiffered this morning. That's my quote metaphorical lawn. If I was a, you know, Zen rock garden guy, like for me, it's Swiffing the dust. And I get in there, I swift that dust like it is. If I was telling Jeff, we, he came over a few minutes early and I was mid swift. And you were like, I just, you had, I couldn't, you can't, you can't pause the swift. <laughs> if you're in the middle of a swift, you have to finish that floor. And I even continued into the stairs and then did the landing of the second floor. Just because you gotta, I mean, you have to, you know, it's like surfing, you have to ride the wave. But that's sort of like uh, part of, you know, being obsessive, like you were talking about, or not, not obsessive, <laughs> the polite way of saying like, you're very, uh, like detail oriented. Yeah. So if you want to get something accomplished, you don't say, well, I'm just going to do part of it. I'm going to do the whole thing right now. Yeah. You know, I'm like that too, in a way. Yeah. So it's like, if I start something, like I'll just work the whole day on it. Like yeah. I feel like I, if, if it's not finished, I'll just go nuts. Yeah. So, you just need to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? That's something. There's something there. I actually just thought of an idea though for Swiffer. Swiffer, if you're listening. You should do an ad campaign called Ride the Swift. And it's basically like me surfing, but I'm surfing on a Swiffer. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I got the pole, and it's kind of like I'm stand-up paddling, 
but I'm also surfing and I'm on the swift and in front of me is like a dirty ocean, but behind me is like crystal clear, like Tahitian waters. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. You got to get that commercial agent on board. Can we copyright that before <laughs> anyone from Swift hears it? Yeah. If any of you out there work for Swift, text me. I'm at 555. No, just text me. I'll definitely get, I'll go to coffee with you, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm that, I'm that lonely. <laughs> I won't get on a plane, but if you want to meet in WeHo, West Hollywood, I'll meet you there. Maybe we can cite Hugh Jackman. He loves this neighborhood. Um, so here's a funny thing I just realized. Maybe one of the reasons why I'm kind of depressed is we're shooting the Vice commercials. I don't know if you've seen these Vice ads that we shot last year, but we shot six commercials last year. I produced them, I wrote them, I directed them, and then I acted in them. And I had been planning them for about five months. Um, you know, this is, this is going back two years ago now. So Vice emailed me, and this is a company that I knew about, <clears throat> Vice Golf. They make golf balls in Germany, and they also, coincidence, sponsor the podcast. So that means I made $8 by saying that. So just so you know, all I got was half of a Five Guys burger. I didn't even get the spicy fries. So relax, okay? No one's getting rich over here by saying Vice Golf. Also, they're not a bad company. So my friends do buy the balls. I obviously get, they give them to me, and they make me play them. They force me to play a vice ball, which, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm still just okay at golf. Total tangent. I'm sorry. Getting back to the topic. These commercials that you created. Jeff's (laughs) eyes are just bulging and he's like, we're not making enough. We're not making enough. (laughs) Jeff's, Jeff's worried about his, he wants me to pay him $20 right now. (laughs) Jeff's like, give me cash. Put an Andrew Jackson down and then I won't press stop. Um, so you had playing these out for like a year. Or more. Yeah. So they emailed yeah. me and I was on the road. We were shooting a pilot for ABC that never aired. Uh, it was called six degrees of separation. It was called six degrees. And me and this dude from Africa co-hosted this. Did I show you this Jeff? Marvin, right? No, no, <laughs> no. his name I was blonde. I, I sent it to you. Yeah. yeah. So it's this, it's this amazing pilot for ABC. It was a $2 million pilot. I was randomly, like my agent was like, go take a meeting at this building in the Valley. And I went and it was two people in there and they both looked very serious. And it was a very nice conference room and they were watching adventures in golf. And I was like, how can I help you? And they were like, we're doing a show. It's about six degrees of separation. Um, we would have a host start off in a remote village in Nepal and then work their way to Rob Lowe in Santa Barbara, trying to see if they can meet someone in that village who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows, someone who knows, someone who knows Rob Lowe. And I was like, cool. And we talked more about it. And then after 20 minutes, I was like, cool. What do you want me to do? You want me to produce it? You want me to direct it? I don't understand. And they were like, no, we want you to be in it. And I was like, holy shit. That you guys are so insane. Like who would ever, you know, want, you know, I, I, it just didn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> Obviously I said yes. Cause they offered me money. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by Jeff's smile that he knows what that's like. When anyone offers you money, aren't you just like, I'll bark. I'll bark like a dog. <laughs> art, art. So, you know, they were like, fine, we'll put your number in the hat. And I was like, okay. And then I had to do like a, a screen test. I had to go do a screen test. With that co-host? That you with had multiple co-hosts. Oh, yeah. the, I had to show up on Hollywood and Highland and try to trade up from a paperclip to like something else. You so know, and this wasn't an offer. This was, we'll consider you. Yes. Yeah. This. this was bark like a dog and we'll see if we like it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God. And I was nervous. I had, I'm not an actor. 
I don't, and this is meanwhile, I've shot adventures in golf with a crew of like mm, two, you know what I mean? They were my friends. And so now all of a sudden I'm on Hollywood and Highland with a crew of like 20 and I'm trying to upgrade from a paperclip with these other weird hosts. I've never co-hosted anything. And I think I do awful. Two months later, Eric, you got the job. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then they tell me how much they're going to pay me. And I'm like, that is a lot of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was a network show, ABC, right? ABC, you know, always be closing (laughs) American broadcast company, company, (laughs) corporation. Um, so anyway, they pay me a tremendous amount of money, like beyond, like, I don't know what number you're thinking at home, but it's probably less than what you're thinking, but it's way more than what I was originally thinking. And all of a sudden I'm on a plane and we're in Nepal and we're starting to shoot this show. And there's a crew of, I shit you not 35 people and they've got cameras and we're renting planes. We're on private jets. Like we're flying through places that planes have never been. And this is all for a pilot. Yeah. Which is incredible. They're spending $2 million money and resources on this. Yeah. $2 million. And I got some of that. <laughs> I got, I got some of that money guys. And, um, <clears throat> the funniest thing is no one's ever seen it. You know, it's like in Pulp Fiction when he's like, she was on a pilot and he's like, what's a pilot? And he's like, you know, when they make a show to see if they're going to make one of those shows. Well, that's what no one ever sees a pilot. And so I was on a pilot. No one ever saw it. I have a scene with Rob Lowe. Me and him are just yakking it up on a boat in Santa Barbara. It was a great scene. Rob and I share a lot. He's also sober. I mean, I couldn't be on more of a tangent right now, but is it okay? Yeah. I mean, we'll circle back to the uh, Vice commercials and how that came about. We should have renamed this podcast Circle Back. (laughs) (laughs) Nickelback. Circle Back. Nickelback's next album, Circle Back. So you said Rob Lowe, who is also sober. Next, next on the Smooth Listening Hour. Nickelback's new album, Circle Back. It's a tangent, folks. It is a never-ending album. What if someone made a never-ending album? Like us, like literally you just play it and they just kept generating music for you. Uh, well, I guess now with <laughs> streaming, that could technically, that could work. Like the yeah, ultimate yeah. stream. <laughs> Welcome to the ultimate stream. The song that never ends until the creators of the music do. <laughs> I apologize. Two cups of coffee. I've had three cookies too. <laughs> I woke up and just had cookies. You ever do that? Well, like Chips Ahoy or? No, they're uh, pa- paleo. Oh, paleo. Paleo. Wait, are those like those cracker cookies? No, it's like I offered you one, didn't I? Uh, I don't think so. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> you ate them all. Do you want one? There's one upstairs. Uh, sure. But... It's pa- pause it. You want to go grab one? Pause it. Go get one. Okay. It's it's so good. Wait till you watch Jeff it's eat just this. On the uh, kitchen counter. Yeah, you go. I'm gonna keep going. Jeff's going to go upstairs and get a cookie. The podcast studio is downstairs because we live in the canyon. So it's like the first floor is like the garage and the living room. And then you go downstairs to the bedroom and the, and the podcast office. And that's like, you know, normal California living. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. How much do you guys want to bet that Snowball Parks when Jeff gets back into the podcast? Snowball, come here. 
Are you going to bark when Jeff gets back in here? Snowball has been doing great recently. He's been cuddling. He's been so happy. I think he's mostly just relieved that he's out of Minnesota. You know what I mean? He's just so happy to not be freezing cold. By the way, Jeff is a great guy. I told Marvin, I said, Mar- Marvin, my oldest assistant, I said, I need to make a podcast. Find someone who can help me. And Jeff came in off of a random email. And I just saw Jeff and I was like, you know what? I feel You're a good guy. Snowball is currently smelling Jeff's chair. Snowball's now looking at the door, wondering when this guy's going to come back. This bagel-eating, vanilla, iced, latte, sugar-free, drinking podcast producer. Okay, is he going to bark? Snowball is staring at the door. Okay. No bark yet. Oh, he growled a little bit. No bark. Good job, Snowball. All right, so Jeff hasn't had a bite yet. He's got the paleo cookie in his lap on a plate. That looks like a good fucking cookie. It does. So uh, did you make these yourself? or? I did not, but they are handmade. <laughs> they were a gift from a neighborhood friend. First bite. In the mouth. Fourth chew. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe? No sugar, no dairy, no gluten. He's about to die. Has so much flavor, you'd never know that. <laughs> he's digging in. What, he's staring at it like he's just going to devour it. That was a small bite. You could have done better. I usually do those in four or three bites. You're looking at six or eight, depending oh, on how you continue. I always try to take sensible bites. You know? Sensible <laughs> bites? Why? Why are you taking sensible bites? Well, I don't want to. Maybe that's why I like you. I mean, I don't want to like you know make them that be like you know ravenous <laughs> with a cook, <laughs> with an audience. Maybe like by myself, I like eat the whole. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've heard in days. I want to take a sensible bite. Don't want to be ravenous. I need to play that back. Uh, ravenous. I have an audience. <laughs> that, by the way, you just took the smallest bite. The third bite was the smallest. What do you say? Ten out of ten. How do you get? How many stars? Not ten. Ten. I mean, I would say like nine, nine and a half. Nine. Yeah. Have you ever had a ten cookie? Yeah, Levain Bakery in yes. New York. Yes, yes. I've been. Yeah. I was just there in uh, Wait, December. Did, did I tell you about that? Or you? Or you? Did, I don't. No, did I've I? been there multiple you did. times okay, all right. on my own. Yeah. All right. Have you? So you've uh, experienced the Levan? Oh yeah. Well, my parents live market. a block away from there. Oh wow. Any New Yorkers out there? And if you haven't been to Levan or Levain, Jeff pronounces it Levain. I say Levan. Levan. L e v a i n. It's on the Upper West Side. The cookie actually comes with a defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had spaghetti bolognese? It's basically spaghetti bolognese, but in cookie form. It's massive. It must weigh a pound. Oh, yeah. That's a very, very dense cookie. Yeah, and they purposely only cook it like 8%. It's cooked enough so that like you feel like you're not going to get salmonella, but on the inside, it's literally just like the salmonella Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally just like germs and eggs just like... Swap and spit. And you have to wait. And, you know, if you go there in the middle of the day, it's like a 20 minute line oh, yeah. or more than that. Yeah, you're waiting in line. Yeah. Which makes it all the better. We were like in the freezing cold in December waiting for these cookies. Yeah. yeah I had one on the. I, and the thing is, when you go to Levant, you need to clear your schedule. Not even because of the line, but because of what happens after the line. You get the cookie, you have to consume it immediately. Well, it's crazy. It's New York. So it's like, well, where am I going to eat this cookie now? I'm going to walk yeah. the streets eating this cookie. <laughs> I find the nearest stoop. I have a stoop that I like on 74th. I'll just pull off. I go back up the road. I just sit on the stoop. Huh? 
So I typically, to go to Levon, I'm wearing pants that I don't love, more of a darker tone so that I can sit on the stoop and not look like a jerk with salt all over my ass. And then the thing is, you don't know how long the line's going to be. Then you get the cookie and then you eat the cookie. That's all. You, you can pretty much plan on that amount of time. But what really is the schedule buster is that you are now going into like a glycemic shock and you need to like basically <laughs> leave your schedule open for your body to deal with that amount of insulin. Yeah, it's overwhelming. <laughs> those cookies ever. <laughs> Jeff's almost done with the paleo cookie. Um, all right. My so, wife's brother, um, she he made her buy like four of them to like take on the plane. Yeah, back to California. That's amazing. It's like they're like everybody loves those cookies. Would they let them on? Oh yeah. yeah. If you brought enough Levon cookies, you could probably get upgraded on any flight. Oh totally. Be like, hey, can I get an upgrade? They're like, <laughs> uh, fuck you, and you're like Levon, and they're like, step right this way, sir. Seat one A. Just for you. <laughs> okay. So anyway, <clears throat> cookie complete. Mac back, circling back. Circling back. We're in Nepal. Vice Golf emails me, and I say, dream come true. I love these guys. I really do. ESPN caddy, my friend Michael Collins, wears a Vice hat. I like him. He's on the PGA Tour, if you know. Really great interviewer. Inspiration for me in the beginning of my career. So Vice emails and says, hey, we'd like to do something with you. We love adventures in golf. And, I, and that was the beginning, in a sense, of the next phase of my career, which was, you know, I went from being a photographer, and then I went into being a filmmaker, a documentarian, and then I went into being like a host slash producer of adventures in golf. And then I sort of launched into this next phase, which is currently really kind of starting to ramp up, which is golf industry X. I don't know, like like personality or like, you know, Whatever it is, like, 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 you know, person in the golf industry. And so when Vice emailed and said, we like Adventures in Golf and we want you to represent Vice Golf. Did I say that right? Adventures in Golf and Vice Golf? Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is cool. This is, there is a next stage. And I was already, I was literally on a shoot for what I thought was going to be my Ryan Seacrest moneymaker, baby. ABC pilot. I thought I was, and no one has seen the pilot. I thought I was going to be literally, right now, I thought I was already going to be BoJack Horseman, but I'm still just Eric Lang, and I'm in a small two-bedroom house. Is that pilot uh, officially dead, or is it uh, alive at all? It is It is not, there is no headstone, but it has certainly been on life support for a long time. And the powers that be just aren't pulling the plug. So there's no no, but there has there is no yes. Yeah. So it's probably not going to happen, so... Six degrees of separation has now completely separated from my bank account. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, so Vice Golf says we want you to do some stuff. So I say, okay. So we go back and forth for months. And here's the real why I'm telling you this story. We go back and forth for months in the fall of 2016. And we decide we're going to do six commercials. And they're going to be called um, uh, un un. What is it called? Unsolicited uh, advice. I can't remember. <laughs> Unsolicited advice. So, you know, we're basically, should we play the audio? Do you want to see if people, can you, do you think if you hear the audio, you'll understand what it is? Let's try here. So, Unsolicited Advice is a series of golf commercials for Vice Golf. Let's see. I'm going to play one. Ready? Excuse me, sir. The guy just hit a hole in one. You heard of a vice ball? No, I haven't. It performs just as well for half the price. So you'll be able to afford all those holes in one you're about to get. A little baby oh, swing. Another hole in one! Oh, my God! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
I just got a hole in one. Yes. Balls are for life. Buy a top performing golf ball for half the price at vicegolf.com. How cool is that? So I hit a so the guy hits a hole in one, and in golf, if you hit a hole in one, drinks are on you. You have to pay for everyone's drinks, and he's broke because he's been overpaying for his golf balls. So anyway, I wrote all these commercials. We go back and forth with Vice for months. There's an ad agency. There's everything. Finally, we get them approved and we shoot them. Here's the problem. Our shoot date is December 7th, 2016. And they flow over from Germany. We've got a crew of 20 or 30 people. We're spending a ton of money. I'm nervous. Here's what happens the day before the Vice shoot. Sia and I decide to get a divorce. (laughs) The (laughs) night before my commercial career. I was fucked. Did you know this, Jeff? No, no. I mean, I was so lost. Like, I showed up on set, and I was just like, okay, I guess my dream is coming true. I mean, you never know it from seeing the commercials. I mean, you... That's, that's, that's anxiety right there. That's, that's the creative anxiety of not getting, of now I know I'm going to be broke. That's when, when you, when you're married to someone who has $20 million and then you get a divorce, you show up the next day ready to work. (laughs) (laughs) You're fucking ready to work. I'll tell you that. I'm like, uh, excuse me, which direction is the coal mine? (laughs) I'd like to shovel some coal on my lunch break. Um, so then in a way it sort of enhanced whatever the end result of the commercials would be. You were perhaps having that you know, energy, whatever Perhaps. it was, you know, whatever yeah. the motivation would be. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and what was so funny is there was a really poignant series of moments, right? One is, um, I, uh, my, my ex-wife released a press release without me knowing that we were getting a divorce and I didn't, uh, I didn't know because I didn't know. And so I'm on set and I'm just depressed and I didn't say anything. All of a sudden someone comes up to me and they're like, I'm so sorry to hear the news. And I'm like, what news? And they're like, they're getting a divorce. And I was like, how the fuck did you know I'm getting a divorce? And like, uh, they show me their phone, and it said that in the uh, the PR world, it's called getting ahead of a story. Yeah, so you wanted to have the first move in a way. Yeah, you know? yeah. So she got ahead of the story, all right. And meanwhile, I'm on a golf course in the middle of nowhere, trying to just make you know a couple a couple bucks. And um, <clears throat> so, what was really funny is you know that you know how you get news recommended for you. <laughs> You'll never guess what Google had in store for me that day. It said, it's literally, while I logged on, I was like, recommended for you. Sia and Eric, call it, call it splits. Call it quits. Whatever. See, when most people go through a divorce, it's just, you know, private. Yeah. You know, their friends know about it, their family members. But for you, it's like plastered all over the internet. Yeah. So that must have been a very surreal experience. It was. Yeah. It was very strange. Um, we can pull back from that. Yeah, more on that later. <laughs> as happy as I am today, I don't feel like discussing my divorce. Although I, I walked right into it. But here's what's really interesting is I'm standing there in the middle of a crew in a golf course wearing an outfit, holding a golf ball from a company that's made in Germany that's paying me and trusting me to further their mission, right? Which is to sell inexpensive golf balls to cool golfers. Right, they're they're marketing towards the young, cool golfer who doesn't want to, you know, abide by the system. That doesn't want to wear a collared shirt. In a sense, it's it really is my brand. And people come up to me and say, "You're the Vice guy. You, it's your company, right?" I'm like, "No, it's some fucking brilliant lawyers in Germany that are making bank, and I'm just over here scooping up crumbs, trying not to go broke, you know." But I'm I'm on this golf course, and I have this kind of divine moment where I realize that, you know. Sia and I, we, we did our best. We tried. We loved each other. We came together for so many reasons. And maybe this was the reason. I'm on this golf course here hosting a commercial. 
that I would never have been in, I say, if it hadn't been for her. You know, the whole adventures in golf would not exist if it wasn't for her. Um, you know, so as bitter as two people could be, and we weren't even that bitter, you know, but as hard as it is to split publicly or privately, I cannot deny that this wouldn't, I would not have been in this place if it hadn't been for her, you know? Um, and so to add to that, right, then the commercial's over, we do it. People who don't know are surprised when they find out on set. Wow, I had no idea you see, you're taking it so professionally. <clears throat> I'm just smoking like a chimney, of course. Just literally 48 coffees in. You know, I quit smoking since, and thank God, no one should smoke cigarettes. It's so awful and disgusting. Um, but, you know, at the time, it was my vice. Hey, vice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's the craziest part of the story. The day the vice shoots are over, I got to find a divorce lawyer. So I go, do you know the story? No, no. So I go, I call... My ex-girlfriend, who's my best friend, I went to her birthday party the other night. I said, look, I need a divorce lawyer. She said, I got you. I got you the best divorce lawyer ever. Who's the most famous divorce lawyer in LA? Do you know? Uh, it's a chick. It's a female. Her name is, uh, I can't remember her name, but she did Brad and Jen. Oh, uh, she's a bulldog. Her, that's her specialty. She's a bulldog. If you Google craziest divorce lawyer, anyway, she's a friend of my friend. So I'm on the phone with this crazy bulldog. And she's like, I'm like, look, I don't, I don't want anything. I just want to be done. I don't, I don't want anything. I have no requests. I'm not, I don't want a million dollars. I don't want anything. I'm not entitled to anything. And she goes, then you don't need me. I'm a bulldog. And I was like, cool, then just give me some nice guy. Give me a puppy. I just want to be done. So I go to Scott Weston. Anyone? Scott Weston, I recommend highly. I walk into Scott Weston's office. This is a crazy story. Because here we're overlapping, right? I wouldn't have been on the vice shoot if it hadn't been for Sia. And then I walk into Scott Weston's office, who was not even the lawyer that I was supposed to have. He came through another person. The guy I wanted wasn't available. And then he goes, take Scott. And I was like, fine, third string, I'll take Scott Weston. I don't care. I just want to be done. I walk into Scott Weston's office in Century City like a day or two after the vice shoot. <clears throat> Go into the lobby, get out of the elevator, walk into the lobby, and I literally, I'm not feeling great, I'll be honest, walking into a divorce lawyer's office as a 35-year-old dude thinking that you're just like good and then you walk and you're just getting a divorce and you don't want to be. All happened very fast. I look on the wall and I see something and I start bawling. I literally see two photographs that I had taken. Did you know that? No, no. Literally... In the waiting room of the divorce lawyer, Scott Weston's office, is two photographs that I had taken when I was a photographer 10 years ago. And I just started, I was just like, what on earth is going on? You know, you talk about, do you believe in fate or destiny? And the truth is, I don't. But at the same time, I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, how That's do you... It's a big coincidence for, for that to be up there. Yeah. And so... I tell this, I walk in and the, the steward, the, the secretary is like, can I help you? And I was like, those are my photographs. I'm just like literally sobbing. And she's like, that's crazy. We always wondered. Everyone asks. They're weird photos. There were photos of like New York and LA merged together. Like it was like New York and the river meets LA and the river. 
And I thought it just was, I took them when I had first moved to LA early on in my journey, you know, coming out to LA with a dream. And she goes, yeah, we always wondered who took those. I was like, it's me. And she goes, well, that's great. How can I help you? (laughs) Did you ever find out whose idea it was to put those up in the office? I hung them there 10 years ago. Oh, you hung them there 10 years ago. Wow. I just remembered when I was standing there. So then it just came back to you. I was in the same exact office. But it was under construction. Uh, It wasn't even a law. It might have been a law office, but... No furniture, everything was... Yeah, it was just getting started. I was selling photographs at the time. I sold them for $1,500, fifty each. Cut to $15,000 to negotiate a divorce. Yeah. So, so then she goes, how can I help you? I was like, I'm getting a divorce. She goes, I'm sorry. And um, yeah, it was weird. So anyway, you know, now here we are, year and a half or so later, doing another series of Vice commercials. And uh, again, life is different, you know. Um, But I've been wanting to tell you about the Vice commercials. Jesus Christ. They're fun. That's it. Great podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, anyway, we spent all weekend shooting these commercials. They're really great. I'm excited to show them to you. I'll put well, I some... thought there was something you said about, um, you know, you had been working with the ad agency on the commercials. Right. Everything was very planned out. Yeah. I thought there was sort of an end of that story. No. No, okay. I think I think I just... Never mind then. I think I just did the commercials. Okay. Right? I can't... Th- I mean, yeah, I think I just did the commercials and that was it. And then, and then the commercials came out and they were successful and everyone was like, hey, you're on the Golf Channel. Are you the guy on the Vice commercials? And so we shot... One of the so the, then for the next year, a common, um, you know, conversation that I would have with people is, "Hey, are you the guy in the Vice commercials?" And I would say, "Yeah," and they would say, "Are those balls any good?" And I would say, "Yeah," and I because I believe it. <clears throat> and uh, and so one of the commercials that we shot this weekend was I'm on a driving range and I, and I hit a ball and a guy comes up to me and says, "Hey, are you the guy from the Vice commercials?" And I say, "Yeah." You want my autograph? And he goes, uh, no, I was just wondering if they're any good. And I, of course, explained to them that they're very good. Um, yeah, but that was really it, that there's not more to that story. It's just, it's just like how time goes on and how, you know, um, now here I am, um, wading through life as a 37 year old, 37, holla, just turned 37. Um, you know, guy in Los Angeles, um, yeah, we shot the Vice commercial. It was really fun. We're going to have the Vice guys on. The two German guys. Should I have them on the podcast, Jeff? I think. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. I think it would be funny, right? They're really yeah. funny. Here's the thing about the Vice guys is their sense of humor is foul. I mean, it is literally, they have the most foul sense of humor. So we're going to be bleeping out most of the interview. But on top of that, they have the German accent, which is frightening. You know the German accent. Of course. It's just so scary. Would you like some water? You know, is that a German accent? Yeah, like I have, German and Austrian. Kind of I English. have a present for you. I have a gift for you, Eric. I can't do it. They're going to come and you'll, you'll see how scary what they say is. Anything they say is scary. I have a job for you. That's French. I have it. I have it. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Every podcast, I've done a bad accent. Should I work on my accent? Oh, I know what we're going to do. Did we have a question on Instagram? Is that what we're going to do? Uh, yeah, well, that was the person who was asking about uh, your work, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Jeff, I feel like you're done. Are you done with the podcast? No, no, I'm still here. Um, yeah, we shot the ads and like basically um, we're going to edit them and then... Are these also called unsolicited advice? What, the ads? No, no, they're just they're just a series of new ads. Oh, but they're not along <laughs> the same theme as no. the last set. No, it's totally new. They're like way more comedic. You'll They'll see. They'll air on the Golf Channel. They'll be out soon. Yeah, they'll air on the Golf Channel. I might put them up on my Instagram too. Which you can follow if you want, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> Your life, live it however you want. Oh my God, 49 minutes. We got to we got to snip this up. All right, I got a question here from Donnie is photography. Donnie, what is your actual name? Let's see. Donnie. Donnie Ryan Donovan. Is that your real name, Ryan? Ryan, your your question to me was I got to find it here again. Um Ryan Donovan, your question is So I will be answering questions on Instagram or email the Eric Lang show at gmail.com. <clears throat> Send them along. Oh my god, here's a post, here's a photo of Snowball being held by the FedEx guy. <laughs> so good. You know, you got to give respect to your package delivery people because they have a pretty hard life. You know, just give them respect and they'll respect you and your packages. And then you've got a symbiotic relationship. What I was kind of going to say is, um, you know, you got, when you go to this vice shoot and they're coming from Germany and this, you know, you know, all these people come from all around the world and you, and you really wonder about interconnectedness, how even what, what do you have something in your hand right now? What you you would listen to the podcast? Is there something in your hand? Is it a Nantucket nectar? Is it your steering wheel? Is it your phone? Is it your pants? What is it? <laughs> Think about all of the things that went into the creation of that and the delivery of that. Right, a person probably in Asia making the headphones. Then a person, you know. What about the what about what is the matter that makes up plastic? Someone had to make that plastic, and then they mold it, and then it goes into the headphones, and then it goes into you know the box. And who put the box together? And then who made the who made the um, robot that put the box together? And then the robot and who designed that robot? They're probably in Germany. You know, what I mean? maybe they're friends with the guy who made the golf ball that's in the box that's getting shipped to you. And then you hit the golf ball, and then you lose it. And then a guy that works at the golf course finds it. And then they give it to their kid. And then their kid hits the ball. And over and over and over again. And you're going to tell me that you're alone in this world. Right? No. In fact, not. Everything is interconnected. And so that's what I was feeling when I was shooting the Vice commercial. was, here I am. I didn't want to be here. And then the next day, I go to the divorce lawyer's office. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And I had touched those photographs that were in that waiting room 10 years ago. And how many times have you held the same currency, right? I swear to God, I didn't take acid this morning. But this is the <laughs> stuff I think about. How many times have you held the same currency, Jeff? Um, you do not know. I don't know. <laughs> right? You know, I, I was in a truck stop in, um, in, in, uh, in Washington State, remote truck stop. And the guy was driving a truck filled with milk. And I said, do you think... You've ever delivered milk from the same cow twice. And he looked down at his eggs and he said, don't know, never thought about that. 
But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a small world. I got an Instagram message. I, I was playing the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and I had a guy caddying for me. And I got a message on Instagram the next day that said, that's my dad. Mm. I mean, hold back tears, folks. It's a small world. Okay, just kidding. Well, we live in a time now where you have access to so much information about everybody. You can connect with people so easily. Yeah, it's, I love it. I love the Instagram connection. I will try to respond to the messages. I, sometimes I get a little deep and I just need a break. So I'm gonna after this podcast, I'm going to go respond to some messages. <clears throat> Maybe there's another one cool one like this. All right, Donnie, you said, hey, I'm sure you get asked this about this a lot, but as someone who has become successful in the golf industry, I didn't realize the first time I read it, but he's referring to me. That's funny. I thought he was referring to himself. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I could call myself successful, but I'm success-ish. In the golf industry, would you have any advice for someone looking to start somewhere? Unfortunately, I didn't find my insane passion for golf, respect, until a few years after college. I also didn't find mine until a few years after not college. I feel that I'll be unhappy working anywhere outside of golf and always wonder, quote, what if, if I don't give it a shot? Any advice at, at all would be great. Thanks. Yeah, man. Ryan. I keep calling you Donnie, but your name's Ryan. Ryan, I'll be honest. Your, your question's good. I mean, the what if question is hard, but I think I answered it on the podcast, right? Yeah. Last uh, episode or the episode before that? No, even this one. Mike, Jeff's mic just blew up. (laughs) No, this episode, like what if is the, is like, the truth is, oh my God. Jeff, I thought you were the podcast expert. He's like touching the mic. This mic stand is a little flimsy. It's shitty. Here you go. It goes that way, maybe. Okay. There we go. How's that? We're good. Everybody okay? Everyone at home, I'm sorry that had to happen. Jeff, it's the paleo cookie, I think. It's really hitting (laughs) hitting his veins right now. Here's the thing. I mean, the what if, the the whole like got to give it a shot, you absolutely do. But at the same time, it's been my experience that you you can't go out on the first tee and think about 18. You have to go out on the first tee and, and acknowledge that shot and consume that shot completely. And for those of you that don't play golf, what that means is if you're driving across country, you can't think about Connecticut when you're in Iowa. You have to look at the road that's being illuminated by the headlights in the car that you're in. And what that means is if you're not into driving, <laughs> I'll just go down the list of analogies, metaphors. What that means is if you're a monkey, you've got to focus on the branch that you're on. And if you're a cow, that means that you got to eat the grass that's in front of you. And what that means, if you're just a normal podcast listener is, you can't plan it. You just got to do the next thing. And you got to put everything into it. And you got to just know that whether you believe in fate or not, it'll all be okay. As long as you put every goddamn ounce of your being into whatever you're doing. And if you don't like doing it, well, in a responsible way, you got to fucking stop quick. You know, in a responsible way. Don't quit your job if you can't afford it. Well, I did that. But, you know, actually, I got fired. I don't think I've ever quit a job. I've been fired by every job. And I'll take that with a grain of respect. (laughs) Is that even a saying? But anyway, my advice is to just treat your daily emotional intuitive life like a Ouija board. Follow it. Right, I've gotten really good this last year at asking myself because it's been a very, very confusing and upside down year. And I've gotten very good at just literally before anything, I just sort of check in with my stomach, quite literally, because I do believe that our emotions are stored in our stomachs. I'm getting really out there. I know. I apologize. 
But I just say, is this the right thing to do? Yes or no? Should I say this? Yes or no? And typically, the little guy inside knows immediately. It's just like, yeah, you can say that. No, don't say that. Wait. Usually it'll just say now. It'll say yes or wait. And so I try to get really good at that. And in the same way that Deepak Chopra, who's obviously a great, great um, contributor to the golf movie and, you know, contributor to my, you know, mystical internal life that is displayed externally on places like Instagram and this podcast. The more we annotate and, and, you know, uh, experience coincidence, the more we know that we're on the right path. So in a time as difficult as going through a divorce publicly, the coincidences allowed me to remember or to realize really for the first time that I was on the right path and that everything was okay. And I'm just doing the next right thing. So let me refer to your question and see if I've actually fucking answered it here. Oh, it keeps going back in my history. Stand by. Ryan Donovan. Any relation to Ray Donovan? If so, legend. <laughs> Love that guy. Can't watch the show, though. I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> Any advice for someone looking to start somewhere in the golf industry? That's, yeah, I mean, to be, to get logistical for a second, I mean, the golf industry is a tough place, you know? It's very small once you get inside. Um, but there is money to be made. Um, but, you know, I think we talked about it on another podcast. I don't even feel like I'm in the golf industry. I'm in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, the golf industry itself, um, you know, I don't know what you want to do. I mean, I think, I think that's one of the biggest things is you need to figure out what you want to do. You know, it's like before I go into a restaurant, I swear, I literally try to visualize what am I going to eat before I look at this insane menu? Because the menu is just a guide. They're just telling you what they can make, but you know, I think they can also make other things. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You ever do that, Jeff? Oh, all the time. I'm very picky about what I eat sometimes. So really? It's like, I'll just have this and that, and they'll, they'll make it. They don't care. The <laughs> customer is always right. I do love so. that one. I love that one. I love it. In fact, my favorite place to eat is this like little vegan dump. I go to this little vegan place down on La Cienega, and I go in, and I say, can I get this with this? And I swear to God, everyone says no. And then I go, I promise, just ask the chef. They go in, they ask the chef to come out. Done. See, in the United States... Places are more accommodating that you go to France or Italy, anywhere in Ooh, Europe, yeah. they don't want to do that. You that's just it. order what's on the menu and that's it. No that's modifications, it. you know. Silly American, <laughs> I will not make your special request. <laughs> Putain merde, get out of the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, so you got to look at life like it's a restaurant and the menu can be put aside. You don't, you create a job. You know, when I, I'll, I'll tell one anecdote. <clears throat> so David LaChapelle was my first and last real job. <laughs> I was working at a restaurant and I realized that I wanted to be a photographer. And for those of you who don't know, David LaChapelle is not the comedian Dave Chappelle, who's very famous for being a comedian. He is David LaChapelle, who's very famous for being a fashion photographer. And he's at the top of his field and he became my first mentor after I realized that I wanted to be a photographer. And so I'm working at this restaurant and hating it but also kind of loving it because I think everyone should work in a restaurant because then you really get to learn how life is a menu and how you see the difference between customers. Some people come in and they're like, uh, I don't know what I want. And you're like, you're annoying. And then you see the guy that just comes in like a fucking baller. You see Pierce Brosnan come in and he's like, I'll get the steak. I want it medium rare. And I want 
broccoli instead of mashed potatoes. And you're like, yes, sir, I'll be right back. And then they give you a huge tip, a hundred percent tip, you know, and that's, I knew what I wanted to be. That's why I, I wanted to be Pierce Brosnan. I wanted to sub out the side and I was going to give a massive tip. So anyway, I was working in this restaurant and I was like, I'm going to get out of here. So I go, I made a list of the 10 photographers that I wanted to work for. Annie Leibovitz, Mario Testino, Patrick DeMarchelet, um, you know, you name them, 10. Not on the list, David LaChapelle. So it's a mix of what I want and what the universe wants. And I do believe that when we put our sort of Ouija board, our magnetic sort of um, compass out there and we look at, you know, what we want and then we are open enough to compare it with what's available, you know, because you can't go to an Italian restaurant and ask for sushi. That's just then you're like an idiot. But you can't go to a sushi restaurant and say, I'd like it this way. So there's like common sense combined with dreaming, you know, living life as a dream. So I make this list and then I go around and I'm like, all right, I'm going to work for these guys. I'm going to visualize it. And I go to SVA. I'm a high school dropout at the time. I go to SVA, the art college in New York. I promise I'll be done with the story in a minute. I'm sorry. We're over. We're an hour. <clears throat> um, and so I go to SVA and I sneak in. There's a security guard and I just walk in. And he goes, excuse me, sir. And I go, how are you? Good to see you. And I just keep going because I needed to get to the internship board. So I go upstairs. I get to the internship board. I knew because I took a night class there that I dropped out of also. I'm such a jerk. I drop out of everything. School and you just don't uh, yeah. mix very well. Yeah, I don't like school. I like, <laughs> I like getting schooled on the basketball court. <laughs> Um, I'm so bad at basketball. So, so then I go upstairs, I find the internship board and there's all these signs. Are you, are you nervous, Jeff? It looks like you're nervous that we're over time. Do well, you care? Oh no, we're cool. There's we're cool, a right? a lot of material to yeah. piece together here. Are you going to edit it? Are you going to edit this out? <laughs> Jeff, this should play as a oneer. I feel like we're good. Play it as a oneer? Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss. Oh God, <laughs> he does not want it to be a oneer. Did I say something offensive? I said chick earlier. Is that offensive? I try not to refer to women as chicks. So if you're a woman and you heard that, I am sorry. I can see how that would be offensive, and I don't try to say it. Yeah. Probably the Woody Allen thing we'll have to cut out. Cut out the Woody Allen thing. <laughs> Leave it in. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not a fan of Woody Allen. What did I say about Woody Allen? Oh, just the quote. Just, uh, people hey, are, we're, Annie we're, Hall is a movie, and it's a good movie. Oh, no. Just because he's an asshole I'm, doesn't mean that we should remove the movie. Well, I'm with you, but it's just such a hypersensitive time right now. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole, and so is um, Kevin Spacey. But that doesn't mean that the first season of House of Cards is bad. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, it's great work. You just have to Does Netflix still show House of Cards season one? Yeah, it's all on there. But they're not so. doing season six. That's where I stand. Well, minus uh, him. I think they're doing it with uh, Robin Wright. Yeah. yeah. So I agree with that. You don't need to delete the past, right? But, okay, shit. Because then you get into the white supremacist statues that are being torn down. And obviously, if you know me, I'm not a fan of, like, you know praising white supremacists like i think everything politically that's happening in our world right now is capital f-u-c-k-e-d but at the same time is annie hall a bad movie now that woody allen's a fucker we've all known it i don't really watch his new movies you know that's a tough one that's a tough one jeff we've gotten major sidetracked <laughs> and politicalized politicalized <laughs> well i just went in terms i want of you to air this stuff, stuff. i, I want you to leave that in will you leave it in which Do you think I've offended somebody by what I said? About Woody Allen? Or about, about the quote from Annie Hall? Well, I mean, the only reason that I say take it out is just because in the world we live in now with social media, people will hear you say that and they'll be like, well, he's okay with Woody Allen. 
and then it'll snowball into something else. So I'm just trying to block the negativity from hitting you, if that makes sense. I think we should it's leave a, it in and see how it goes. I don't think I've offended anybody. Okay. I really don't. If I have, tell me. And I'll probably delete your email. Because <laughs> you know what? You can't not offend somebody. You're going to offend somebody. I don't know. We'll have to discuss this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm yeah. just, you know, in terms just, of how things are going for other people who yeah. even, like if somebody references someone who's not in favor. Speaking of Dave Chappelle, though, I mean, he referenced all this shit on his, on his Netflix special. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, he goes deep. Here's the thing. I say leave it in. Okay. If you listen to the whole podcast, you would know that I think Woody Allen is a complete dirtbag. Okay? And I I would love to see a war. Here's the this is why I'm not a fan of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is a jerk. All right. And I'll say it to anybody, and I love seeing him shoot five over because he's a jerk. You know what I mean? And here's the funniest thing is he's been nice to me. We've met three different times. Does he know my name? Absolutely not. But has he shaken my hand, smiled at me, and been kind? Yes. But in the public eye, has he disgraced the game of golf? Yes. I'm not okay with it. It's so ironic because he was the one who made golf popular for kids and everybody else, and then he went the other way. And to some extent, me. He made it popular for me. You know what I mean? Like, he was what made it cool for me to get into golf. accessible for people who saw golf as something distant. Yeah. Yeah. But, But I think he literally needs to quit and just go into a cave and not try anymore. Because he's not going to play golf well. I think it's emotional. Everyone's like, big cat's back. I'm so excited to see him. Hey, cool. He's not going to play well. He's never, ever, ever going to win again. I'll say it here. I'll put a bet. If he doesn't win again, you can make a bet with me, I guess. Well, how does that work? (laughs) (laughs) Cast your bets. He's never going to win again. Never. I don't think. I would like to see it, kind of, mostly because I'm a fan of being proved wrong. Yeah. Look, we got to get back to the topic here. Oh, we were, uh, you were at the internship board. Yeah, at so I go to, it's yeah. not nearly as interesting. <laughs> I go to the internship board. I see a posting for David LaChapelle looking for an intern. And I was like, fine, I'll go intern. I wanted a job, but I'll just do the internship. So I yank the posting off the board so that no one else can respond. That's what you got to do out there. It's a cutthroat world. So I yank it down. I call the office and I say, look, um, I want to intern. And they're like, uh, yeah, uh, submit a resume like everybody else. And I was like, okay, um, I'll email it. Can I also come in? And they're like, no, email it. And I was just like, nah, fine. So I emailed it and then I also came in, printed it out, and I just showed up because I had the address. It was on 13th Street between 1st Avenue and Avenue A in lower Manhattan. And I just show up and I go, knock, knock. And they said, hi, can we help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm here for the internship. I brought my resume. I'd just like to talk about it. I really want the job. And they were like, uh, okay. And I showed up and I got the internship. And I was interned. There were five other interns and we all would trade off you know, each day. And then I started getting more shifts as an intern because I was really good. And I busted my ass. So I would go in there. I worked as many hours as I could. My waiting tables job started at four. And I would go in and intern from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And then I would run to my waiting tables job, which was on 21st Street and 7th Avenue. And I basically worked like 65 hours a week. And one of my jobs was unpaid. And after three months of that, I had met David after a month and a half of interning. I just literally was there for a month and a half, literally taking out the trash, watering the plants, dusting the huge papier-mâché tiger, and like, you know, just looking at weird photos. 
and like archiving and just doing nothing. But I believed that, you know, if I just did my best, I could probably get a job there. And after a while, um, I met David and we got along and, you know, then after a few months, they were like, do you want a job? And, and I don't think anyone had gotten fired or it was just that I had proved that I could handle a job. And I got the job. I quit my job at the restaurant and I was there full time, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And on the weekends, whenever there were shoots and I just worked there. And, you know, I think that's part I've heard that advice from other people, you know, like if you want a job, just make it, you know, just go find it and do it for free. And so last bit of advice, last bit of anecdote for me is, you know, I tell the story about how I came up with the idea for Adventures in Golf, but I don't really tell the story about what happened once I got the job, right? They said, do the show. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, how do I do that? I do not know. I shot the first season of Adventures in Golf at a loss of 100%. So the budget of the show was, say the budget of the show was $5. The season one cost me 10, right? I did each episode... Each episode I had budgeted 50 cents, but it actually cost me a dollar to do each episode. And, you know, yes, I was married at the time to a, you know, Grammy nominated, you know, multimillionaire woman who supported me. That's easy to say. But I didn't borrow money from her to do it. Um, I was going on trips. So like I had a job in India that shot at a um, at a silk factory. So I made sure that I did two episodes of Adventures in Golf before and after that. Oh, you didn't do season one on spec. They gave you money. They gave me money. Okay. But I didn't have enough to produce the show the way it actually went down. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, um, I went around the world and did it the way I thought it should be done. And that's why, I mean, season one was nominated and season one turned into Vice Golf and season one turned into season two. And season two, I made enough to live off of, you know, now here as a single man, not supported, you know, by a wealthy you know, a uh, benefactor, if you will, you know what I mean? And I'll be totally honest with that. Like, I mean, that's just the way it was like, um, and now season three, also awesome going well, vice golf has come in and other things are happening. So, you know, um, the Bonobos campaign, um, working for waste management, you know, now it's set up so that it's sustainable, but in the beginning it wasn't. And that's an, that's a, that's an anecdote for you. If you're out there and you're like, what should I do? You know, the yellow brick road, that's not a bad analogy. It was paved. But, you know, the idea is you got to just, you got to just fight your way through yourself. Yeah. No but one's going to do it for you. it the way you wanted to do it for season one, it turned into all these other things, even though it financially, it wasn't the best. It still worked out creatively and that paid off in other ways. Exactly. And if I had, for example, maybe done season one with the money and then to- done it the way that they told me to do it, maybe there would be no season two. Maybe Vice Golf would have never seen it. Maybe it never would have been good. So, you know, last, last story about this is David LaChapelle told me a story about when he was young and he was hired for his first big job and he had had his style. He did his own thing. And then he got his first big job and he came in and the client was there on the shoot and it wasn't very good. David was unsatisfied. And afterwards the client said, David, are you happy with these? And he was like, no. And they were like, why? He was like, well, I just sort of, I was trying to do what you wanted. And they're like, no, we hired you to do what you want. And in that sense, you failed because you tried to do something else. And that's kind of, for me, the whole like menu thing. It's like, you need to walk into the restaurant and you need to find out what you want. Because if sometimes if they just give you what they like, 
you might leave and be unsatisfied. And that's unfair to both parties. And so in the world of the universe and the mystical sort of underwritten spiritual laws, you need to do what you want. Because if you're unhappy, the universe will recognize that and it won't sort of, it won't re-up you in your slot, slot machine, you know? Okay, I think we're done because I'm out of breath and I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> Any words? Uh, well, why don't we wrap up a little bit with how can people uh, learn more about you? You can Google me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Just do your thing. Send in questions. That's what I really care about. Send it to me through Instagram, Eric Anders Line. Okay, bye. Good enough, right, Jeff? Okay, bye. His mouth is open. Uh, you can follow <laughs> Eric at Eric Anders Lang on Instagram, and uh, you can also email the Eric Lang Show at gmail.com with any other feedback or questions you might have. Solid. Okay, bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. And again, laugh at the four putts because no one else cares. If you're on the PGA Tour and you're listening to this, don't laugh at the four putts. If you're Charlie Hoffman, let's do an interview next week. Hey, tune in next week for the Vice Guys. It should be pretty funny. Bye. That was weird. Take out the kiss. <laughs> Bye.